Welcome to Set the Captives Free Ministries, providing Christ-centered solutions to the bewildered believer and demonstrating the power of God through evangelism. Today, we have a very special guest. Now, of course, all of my guests are special, but this one I am I am uh, definitely excited about. Uh, it is a long-overdue interview with uh, someone who is the, the newest member of the Set the Captives Free evangelism team, uh, John, welcome. Hi, Willie. <laughs> Hi, John. <laughs> it's so good to see you. It's so good Not- to be here. <laughs> Hi, world. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, John, wh- world, world, John. Nice to, nice to, nice to be of acquaintance, right? Man, the world's really big. It is, <laughs> but it gets smaller and smaller every day, right? <laughs> yeah, with all that technology junk. Yeah, kind of like what we're using right now. Wow. (laughs) Praise God for it. Yeah, I'm very thankful for it as well. We get to do stuff like this from the comfort of our homes. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, You know, one of the things that I've I've really enjoyed about 2017 is that I was finally given the opportunity to begin these these sort of interviews. And, um, you know, many awesome interviews have been had as a result. Um, they don't know that they've been had yet, but, yeah, but <laughs> many great feats have been accomplished, uh, not only with special guest interviews, but even just the weekly uh, podcast with Jim Harold, Fight Until the Bell Rings. And so, among the many other things that uh, 2017 has brought the ministry, uh, John has, has, has been uh, evangelizing alongside us. For pretty much the entire the entire season, going strong uh, through uh, throughout the summer. Yeah, uh, I started with you guys in um, when St. Patty's Day, March. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that. <laughs> Whatever <laughs> that <Saint> time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean it was it was like twenty twenty degrees, and um, it was a St. Patrick's Day parade. We had just had a massive blizzard. Practically that week, I mean, there, you know, there's still a ton of snow on the ground, but they still had the the St. Patrick's Day parade, and um, yeah, I mean, it was that was that was quite the day. I mean, we like among the 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 five of us, there were five of us that day. We ended up handing out over 1,200 gospel tracks. Wow. Yeah, I mean, not bad, not bad for your first time evangelizing with us, right? <laughs> Yeah, that, and that was uh, not only evangelizing with you guys, that kind of was my uh, first time swimming in the pool of evangelism, so to speak. Really? I mean, I had, had evangelistic conversations in the past, so to speak, um, and like I went on a campus crusade missions trip, if you want to call it that, to Panama City Beach, um, but it was just kind of like just reciting the uh, four spiritual laws gospel track kind of a thing to people on the beach which was interesting and neat but you know i had no clue what i was doing <laughs> yeah you were just you were just following following the script going going with what you were told to do yeah and i wasn't even saved yet honestly oh uh, at that point yeah i wasn't even saved yet it was just kind of one of those things that like well this is what uh other christians are doing so i guess i'm supposed to do it so i guess i'll do it <laughs> yeah it's, it's kind of how I lived my unsaved life for all my unsaved life. <laughs> well, why don't, why don't you share? Why don't you share with us a little bit of uh, 
what led you to Christ, because I think that'll be an interesting stepping stepping block into what called you into evangelism. Sure, sure. And honestly, my my story and background is kind of what um, I would say drives me a little bit in terms of evangelism. Um, particularly, I, I guess I would say some of my favorite people to evangelize to uh, are flat-out atheists, which I, I never was really an atheist ever. Um, I, you know, grew up in a Christian home. Uh, my parents were were Christians, um, and I wasn't really discipled in my home. Uh, I wouldn't say like we didn't like I don't have any memories really of my dad sitting down with us, reading the Bible, and doing family devotions or family Bible studies together. Um, maybe we talked about spiritual things a couple times around the dinner table, maybe. Um, but really didn't happen too much. You know, it wasn't too much conversation. I mean, you were part of, we're, we're about the same age, you're part of the same generation of, yeah. of uh, people whose families more or less kind of went to a church that made sure they had a good youth group. <laughs> yeah. And said, hey, youth pastor, it's your job. Yep. You know, when we know the Bible says otherwise. Um, <laughs> yeah. But in any case, um, <clears throat> so uh, I enjoyed evangelizing, ministering to atheists just because I do. <laughs> I feel like they're like fresh ground, you know what I mean? I don't know. That's an arbitrary <laughs> response. Therefore, your your premise is irrational. You enjoy it because you enjoy it. Um <laughs> Yeah, I, I well, I mean, it's it's kind of like uh, I look at it as almost like uh, going into the woods without walking on a path that's been marked out. You know, like like gotcha. Yeah, yeah. yeah like blazing a new trail, so to speak. I re- I really enjoy that in hiking and mountaineering, and I really enjoy that in evangelism too. Um, trying to understand the person, get to where they're at. But I also really have a heart, a strong heart for people who were like me, who grew up in the church, who went to youth group, who were altar junkies, you know, (laughs) went up to every altar call to get (laughs) saved and say, who had the sinner's prayer completely memorized because they had said it so many stinking times, um, you know, and yet showed no fruit in their life. And so that's, I have a, a big heart for those kinds of people because that's exactly the life that I lived for the first 23 years of my life. Um, and honestly, as I know you guys have said before, you and Jim, that I believe strongly as well that is one of the most dangerous places to be, really, uh, in a spiritual situation, is uh, somebody who is um, in a church and not saved. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it, it really kind of is. I've heard it said before that uh, church is the most dangerous place for for unbelievers, really, um, in that it respect. It can be, yeah. It can be. I've heard, I've heard people say that online on YouTube videos and stuff is what I'm saying. But, um, but I mean, the reality is that, like myself, uh, years ago, before I was saved, you can so easily – uh, do the church things and think that you're saved. In fact, I used to have a saying back in those days, uh, a Christian is as a Christian does, which honestly, um, biblically and theologically speaking, is entirely wrong because 
uh, a Christian is not as a Christian does. A Christian is as he believes. It's not by what we do that we are saved. Right. Uh, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 makes that clear. It is by grace you have been saved through, what is it, Willie? Faith. That's it. Ding, ding. By grace through faith. So when we put our faith and trust in Christ to forgive us of our sins, to uh you know, be our parachute, as Ray Comfort always says. Um, <clears throat> when we put our trust in him to forgive us, cleanse us, um, and welcome us into heaven when we get there, um, that's that's where it all comes from, uh, repenting of your sin and putting your trust in Christ. And honestly, that is not what was <laughs> preached to me ever um, in my growing up in the faith and whatnot. Um, but, you know, that can be entirely missed in a lot of churches who, A, don't really ever want to preach the gospel much, and B, when they do, they make absolutely no mention of sin, judgment, hell, or, you know, <laughs> any of these things that really are honestly the principal reason why Jesus went to the cross. Jesus didn't go to the cross so that we could, you know, just just have um, for a fun, happy life, you know, because there are tons of sinners out there who are having a lot of fun. Oh yeah, you know, who are having wonderfully fun and happy lives. Um, it's not about our life; it's about our after life. Absolutely, and that was his concern. Um, and honestly, I think that is obvious. In that, uh, Christians, we still suffer. Uh, we still have problems like other people have problems. Well, to an extent, because if you're living according to the scriptures, you're probably not running around on your wife. You're probably not getting, you know, drunk and DUIs and everything else. So there's problems you'll avoid. But it's just a different. It's a different set of problems that you face. You know, you you still. I mean, Christians still lose their jobs. Christians like my dad still get cancer. Christians, you know, I mean, we go through stuff. Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. But he followed that up with, but, 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 fear not, I have overcome the world. We have no reason to fear. But just beware, you're going to go through some stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, anywho, um, so then, you know, growing up in a Christian home, as I said, I was pretty convinced that as long as I was going to youth group, going to Bible studies, serving in some form, like on the worship team or something, that I was good. And when I graduated high school and went to college, you know, that, that stuck with me. That idea of a Christian is as a Christian does. Um, and, boy, Lord, forgive me that I <laughs> preached that years ago. I really hope that whoever heard me say that years ago kind of found the right way of things. <laughs> But, um, Who knows? Maybe they're listening right now. Yeah, I, I hope. That would be awesome, Lord. Anywho, uh, so in college, um, the of course, uh, I went to a public college. I went to the University of Buffalo in Buffalo, Buffalo New York. Um, so, <laughs> a little plug. I loved Buffalo. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, as you know, going to a public college, or really any college, but especially a state school, the opportunities for sin abound. Whoa, do they abound. <laughs> it aboundeth much. 
Oh, yes. Abundant sin. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and I sinned abundantly. I can't imagine it's any better in a private college because I went, I went to a private college and it was, uh, <laughs> it was, uh, you know, I, I was, I was afraid of people knocking on my, you know, if two like angelic beings knocked on my door, I would have let them in. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, and then in any case, so yeah, I mean, I, I never got into drugs and alcohol. Fortunately, God spared me of getting addicted to those kinds of things. Um, but I had a, a different drug of choice, and my drug of choice, and I'm willing to be candid, uh, even to the world, just because this is part of my testimony, and part of the testimony to the power of God, is, you know, my drug of choice was sex and pornography. I mean, that was just, <laughs> it, it ruled my life, you know, and it really took over my life. Um, you know, I mean, I lived a... <laughs> I mean, I went to church every Sunday, and like I said, I uh, went on a couple of missions trips. You know, uh, had I was going to like two different campus ministries. There's Campus Crusade for Christ, and there was also InterVarsity. Um, in the end, I ended up, I guess, kind of attaching myself more to InterVarsity. Um, but either way, you know, had was you know I'd attend both and was had friends with both and went uh, missions trips with both and. Um, I served on like the, the worship team, you know, and, and stuff, went to Bible studies, did, did, did all the stuff that's on the Christian checklist, quote unquote, you know, um, I even tried to, uh, take time to read the Bible, like, you know, <laughs> so all that I'm saying is, you know, it wasn't even so much a matter of, I wasn't trying to fool other people. I was fooling myself. I, I was thoroughly convinced. Yeah, you know, I got it. I got this. But, you know, I obviously was not saved. How do we know? Because, as Jesus said, by their fruit, you will recognize them. And when you looked at the fruit of my life, which was I had a foul mouth, as far as uh, coarse joking, whoa, I was, I was the king of dirty jokes, man. I was, I was bad. I had no filter when I came to that, that stuff. Um, I don't know. Have you ever worked on a cruise ship? <laughs> no, but I can imagine. <laughs> I mean, you know, cussing and swearing wasn't too big of a deal for me just because it wasn't much of a habit to begin with. But, you know, it slipped out here and there. But mostly just the coarse joking and, and crass talk. Um, that would come out of my mouth. It just, you know, it, it was extremely unbecoming of a believer, to say the least. Um, and then, of course, um, you know, needless to say, my addiction to sex and pornography, which honestly, um, that was, uh, got to a point where it wasn't even just like a spiritual addiction or mental addiction as as people call it no 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 it's a physical addiction at least for me it was it digressed into a full-blown physical addiction where i actually had withdrawal symptoms if i didn't get off to some something uh i my main withdrawal symptom was insomnia i could not sleep without it um i would be irritable have shakes it was like like wow. zero I was yeah no I'm not joking I am I am dead serious fully honest with you this is you know how I was so just a warning to everybody out there 
men and women alike that uh, don't mess with pornography. It You will get addicted to it. It is just as addictive as any drug. And the thing that kind of makes it, in a way, uh, not to say more dangerous, but people think, oh, what's the harm, you know? Well, here's the thing. You're producing the drug inside your body when you do it. <clears throat> so, A, it's cheap and free. <laughs> you, yeah. you know what I mean? You, you produce the drug uh, yourself. And um, B, there's really no outward signs of it. When somebody is addicted to heroin, like you can start to see the outward signs of it. You can see it Very in their quickly. skin. Yeah, you can see it in their hair. You can see it in their behaviors. You can see it. Uh, you can see it. You can see it in their eyes. You know, there's 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 signs with the various drugs, whether it's marijuana, whether it's cocaine, whether it's heroin. You know, I've I've done street ministry in Buffalo. I uh, did quite a bit of it after I was saved, so I, I ran into some people. <laughs> you know what I mean? <clears throat> um, so I've I've seen some of those indicators. But when you're when you have a sexual addiction, it, you know it's <laughs> uh, nobody knows. It's there is no outward sign of it. Um, it's something that is done in private. Nobody nobody can know about. It. You know what I mean? Like it's possible to go through your whole life without anybody knowing about it. Yeah. Um, it's easy to conceal, easy to hide, and. Uh, Unfortunately, there are a lot of, of people who do, like I said, men and women alike. Um, so that's my, my word of, of wisdom and warning to the world who is listening is, man, just, just stay away. Wait until marriage, please. <laughs> yeah. You know? um, I mean, it was, it was that sort of, that sort of talk, you know, like the, 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 you know, the whole concept of wait until marriage. That's that's what really got me thinking about my condition before the Lord. Same same kind of testimony as yours. You know, it's remarkable. You know, I I almost feel like I'm listening in my own testimony actually, like just being played back. It's kind of sorry to hear that. Kind of spooky actually. <laughs> but, you know, obviously it worked for both of us to get, you know, like, you know, like meaning the work of God worked in us mm-hmm. for both of us. And um I think it's interesting uh that we ended up, you know, coming together as a team because we kind of have the same line of thinking. Yeah, we need to go after the people who can hide it. Yeah, because we know, we know better. We know what's going on behind those eyes. You know, they can't they can't hide it when you bust them on it. You know, I mean, if yeah. I if, heck if I had a if I had a dollar for every time I asked you know a young man if you know he had ever looked at a woman to lust after her after reading Matthew 5:27 to them you know the look on their face you know it, it it's always sheepish of course you know and it's like ah come on you know we you know we you know we'll make make light of it at the moment but just to just to kind of get them thinking about it you know but yeah i mean it's just it's yeah. so common but it's so easy to to hide and you hear so many testimonies of of men Really, I mean, men the most as far as that particular testimony. And that was Ray Comfort's testimony. Yeah. You know, being, you know, made to realize, yeah, my, my lust is going to be the death of me. Yep. So it's, that's intense. Yeah. So uh, fast forward a little bit. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I was in my super senior year. Uh, I should say the summer of my super senior year. Um, <clears throat> so uh, I, I won't go into why I had to go into super senior years. But <laughs> in any case, um, you know, my uh, addiction to sex and pornography, you know, it's full blown. I actually at one point considered dropping out of college because it had gotten so bad I started looking at uh, rehab programs it was just getting out of control um, I mean really out of control so uh, <clears throat> anywho fast forward I was in my apartment there was one day I didn't feel too great so I wanted to play hooky and called into work and <laughs> just I really just wanted to sleep I wasn't sick or anything you know wanted to sleep in so I played hooky and called into work and and whatever so I woke, woke up a little later that uh, like in the early afternoon that day and thought to myself well got nothing to do why not read the Bible <laughs> so I pull out my Bible and, and figure I'll do another one of my religious things you know <clears throat> praying reading the Bible because that's what uh, Christians do and I heard God's voice speak to me which by the way I, I have heard his voice speak to me other times before I got saved. Um, in the process of those years that we fast-forwarded through, I was really soul-searching because there were things that I saw in my friends. I had a good, dear friend of mine, John Coles, who I love dearly to this day, um, who's a good friend. Uh, he was an engineer along with me. He was an industrial engineer. I'm a mechanical engineer. And uh, <clears throat> we were the same year, and uh, he, um, you know, him and my pastor at my church, Pastor Pat, I would look at the two of them, and I would say, man, what is it that they have that I don't have? There's something. There is something they have that I don't have, you know? Um, and I remember there was one night in my apartment where uh, I heard God's voice speak to me, and he said to me, John, do you believe me? Do you believe in me? And so I was, I mean, hearing God's voice like this was uh, not an extremely frequent occurrence. So I was like, whoa. And I was like, well, yeah, of course I believe in you. And I heard God's voice say to me, no, John, do you believe in me? And I, I said to him, God, yes, of course I believe in you. I've, I've lived through miracles. I've seen miracles. I've, I've, you know, of course I believe in you. And I heard his voice say to me, no, John, no. Do you really, really, really believe in me? Because if you really, really believed in me, why do you live this way? And it was that moment. That was the winter before I got saved. It was. It was in that moment that... It hit my heart like, oh my goodness! It like the the gears started turning in in my heart and my mind like, huh, you know? And and that's where uh, I started reading passages like in Matthew seven where Jesus says, uh, "Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father." For I say that on that day, many will come to me saying, Lord, we prophesied in your name and, and, and cast out demons in your name and healed the sick. And I might be messing the verse up a little bit, but just bear with me. All in your name. And Jesus said, I will say to them, 
Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. And that, that word there for know uh, is the Greek word gnosko, which means to know someone intimately, um, to, to know them relationally. And, uh, and you know, when I read that verse as, as a sinner, I, I remember reading it thinking to myself, well, dang, if these people were prophesying and raising the dead and healing the sick and casting out demons, I ain't never done none of that. If they're not getting into heaven, what the heck's going to happen to me? <laughs> yeah. You know, I grew concerned. Honestly, that was one of the uh, verses that God used to get the gears turning in my heart. Like, hmm, I wonder, <laughs> you know, of course, then I quickly, you know, uh, wrote it off with like, oh, but, you know, I, I do this and I do that and I go to church and, <laughs> you know, because it's uncomfortable. It's OK. To- I had a salad for lunch. Yeah, exactly, you know. Never mind that you you ate it with a big, greasy, you know, double bacon cheeseburger, but it's okay. You had a salad. That somehow washes all the sodium nitrates and polysodium phosphates and everything else away. Watch your mouth. You know. (laughs) Oh, sorry. Yeah. (laughs) Don't mean to offend. (laughs) In any case, so, uh, so that one day in my apartment... Uh, all this time, you know, I'm mulling on these things for months. And that day in my apartment, as I'm sitting on my bed playing hooky from work with the Bible in front of me, textbook hypocrite, you know, <laughs> um, I heard God's voice speak to me again. And this time he said to me, turn to Hosea chapter 6. And it was his voice, loud and clear. And it was weird because I was like, okay. Hey, Hosea, where on earth is that? <laughs> I had to actually go to my table of contents and be like, look at that. It is a book of the Bible. I mean, I had heard of Hosea. It's not like I was completely ignorant that there might be a book called Hosea. But if you were to ask me like, to name the books of the Bible, Hosea wouldn't have been the one, one of the ones in there. You know, it's like Obadiah or like one or of those Haggai. Other books. Yeah. That you one know, always gets me. It's like, you know, it's 10 pages long or something. I mean, <laughs> if that, you know. So in any case, uh, somewhere buried in the Old Testament. So I turn to Hosea chapter 6, and I, I start reading, and I get to the verses where God says, What will I do with you, Ephraim? What will I do with you, Judah? Your love for me is like the morning mist. In other words, it's there, and then it vanishes. And then it's there. And then it vanishes. And the next day it's there. And then it vanishes. So uh, it was through that verse. And then, of course, that's followed up by one of the famous verses that Jesus quoted to the Pharisees a couple times in the Gospels. Where uh, immediately it follows, For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God over burnt offerings. Um, that's where that quote that Jesus would tell them came from was Hosea chapter six. And it was through that that uh, God showed me um, that it wasn't that I prayed the wrong prayers or said the wrong magic words and whatever, as I told you or hinted to, I should say earlier, I was an altar junkie like many. Every time there was an altar call, I was up there, you know, crying with everyone else. As I thought that that 
needed. You know, I thought that that's how people got saved. I wanted to know I was saved. But ironically, even though I try to conjure up emotional, spiritual experiences, I'd walk away and a week later I would be like the pig returning to the mud, mm-hmm. like the dog returning to its vomit, you know. And there is a point where you start to say, hmm, what's wrong with me? <laughs> Something's not right. Um, and praise God that that happened. And that day, God spoke to me clearly that my problem was that I never 100% believed. I mentally acknowledged, you know, um, and this is where, you know, <clears throat> when I try to explain to people what faith is, you know, uh, borrowing off of Ray Comfort's parachute example, faith is not looking at the parachute and acknowledging the parachute exists. Okay, that's not going to save you if you have to jump out of a plane. <laughs> yes, you know? that's a parachute, all right. <laughs> yeah, well, see, this thing, there's the thing, is that people are, there's a lot of people, I was in that basket, a lot of people who are willing to acknowledge, mentally acknowledge that Jesus exists, just like the guy willing to mentally acknowledge the parachute exists, and, and who may even acknowledge, yes, the parachute can save me. The parachute is able to save. And just like I, you know, acknowledged God exists, acknowledged Jesus exists, I acknowledged, yes, Jesus is able to save, Jesus is willing to save, but I never put the darn thing on. <laughs> I, I, I never um, put my full trust in him, never 100% believe. Um, I always wanted that proof, that evidence, not of God's existence. I already had that fine. It was more that he would forgive me. I wanted proof that I was saved. I wanted proof that I was forgiven. More or less, I didn't trust him to forgive me. I did not trust him to save me. That was my problem, I think at least. <laughs> I'm no psychologist, but you know, just in doing a little self-evaluation, I think that's, that's where I was going wrong. God was convicting my heart that I didn't trust him. Um, as I demonstrate, like if I'm out to lunch with people and sharing the gospel with them and I get to that point of the conversation, I'll usually get up out of my seat, even in the restaurant. It looks kind of silly, but I don't care. But even in the restaurant, I'll, I'll, I'll stand up and I'll say, do you see this chair? person says, yes. And I said, do you believe the chair exists? He'll say yes. I said yes. I believe it exists too, but that's not faith. Faith is not acknowledging the chair exists. And then what I do next is I jump onto the chair, which of course is kind of a, a shocker, you know. Oh yeah. <laughs> While I'm standing on that chair, I don't like shout, you know, making a, a big ruckus because I'm already kind of making a disturbance as it is. <laughs> I don't want to get kicked out. But as I'm standing on that chair. I'll say to him, now I'm putting my faith in the chair. Before I believed that the chair existed, I, I acknowledged the chair existed. Now that I'm standing on it, when I jumped on the chair, I trusted it would catch me. When I jumped on the chair, I trusted it would hold me up. I trusted it would save me from falling on the ground. 
And then I promptly get back down so as not to get kicked out of the restaurant. <clears throat> Imagine and, if Jim did this. <laughs> the whole restaurant would have heard it before he even got into the got to the jumping phase. <laughs> yeah. He's he's great like that. Uh, <laughs> he cracks me up. Yes indeed. Yeah, he he would do stuff like that too. <laughs> he he doesn't have an embarrassed bone in his body either. <laughs> so it makes both guy. of you guys awesome preachers. <laughs> well, you got to kind of have that I think if you're going to do some street preaching. You just got to put all pride and as the I don't can't think of the word that I'm looking for, but uh ambition. Yeah, yeah you got to just got to put yeah, exactly. You got to put all that aside. You just kind of, <laughs> you just, you, 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 you're holding the bull by the by the horns when, before you go into the china shop, and you tell the owner of the china shop, put it on my tab, whatever gets broken, and then you let the bull loose. Yep, pretty that's, much. That's pretty much what you got to do with evangelism. Yeah, you know, and that's it's kind of part of my personality too. I've always been that way, uh, just in terms of not. Not really having much of an ounce of shame in me, <laughs> as I hinted to earlier with my crass joking and and whatnot. I mean, I was I was a nut. I was an absolute lunatic in high school and college. So, anywho, so that day when God showed me that, I uh, finally understood my problem. I finally understood. I was plenty sorry for my sin. I actually uh, another thing I struggled with was uh, suicidal thoughts. For, for years, for years I struggled with that, and it was like a demonic thing. It wasn't just an in- a chemical imbalance. It wasn't just, uh, well, he's going through some stuff. No, because I was actually, I had, you know, I was a pretty happy guy. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, the, the, you know, Satan just was always working on me, you know, and um, it was a demonic thing. So, yeah, I mean, I had all sorts of yucky stuff going on in my life. Um, but, uh, you know, so I was plenty sorry for sin. Uh, what I was lacking was the, the trust that in God to forgive me, the trust in the sufficiency of Jesus' sacrifice to save a sinner even like me. Um, and so that afternoon I, I got down on my knees for the last, really the last time, and I believed it would be the last time because I finally understood what I was missing. And I made a decision. That's the thing. I made a choice. I said, God, I'm willing to trust you. I am going to choose this day to believe in you, to believe that you love me, and to believe and trust that you will forgive me of all my sins regardless of proof or lack of proof that I'm saved. Like, in other words, regardless of whether I have a spiritual experience or I don't have a spiritual experience, I don't care. I'm not looking for an experience anymore. I'm making a decision to believe. I choose this day to believe in you. Come and live in my heart from this day forth. Forgive me of my sin, and uh, I'm all yours. And let me tell you something, Willie. Um, funny enough, all the other times as an altar junkie that I went up and prayed the sinner's prayer, uh, you know, it was kind of one of those things I pray with everyone else and I'd be looking for the reaction. I'd be looking for the experience that showed I was saved. You know what I mean? Kind of like praying, blah, 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 amen. And then kind of looking around like, 
is anything going to happen? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And uh, I was always looking for something to prove to me, yep, here it is, bang, it happened, you're saved now. Um, and this time... <laughs> okay, the time- I, see, I see all the angels in the room that I didn't five minutes ago. Yeah, exactly. And so the one time that I was not looking for an experience, but instead made a choice by faith, intellectually made a choice, by the way, it's not an emotion, it's not a feeling, it's an intellectual choice. Um, I made a choice with my heart and my mind. I'm going to trust in Jesus. And let me tell you something, Willie. I did receive a pretty wild and amazing spiritual experience. It was the filling of the Holy Spirit, I believe. I believe at least. It was incredible. Uh, The only way that I can describe it, uh, that I do describe it to people, is it it was like uh, standing underneath a waterfall. I don't know if you've ever done that before, found a swimming hole somewhere with a waterfall, uh, try climbing up it or standing underneath the waterfall. It's overwhelming. I felt like this waterfall of life. I don't even know how to describe it. Just this waterfall of life uh, is how I describe it to people was just pouring onto me and filling me and, and overflowing out of me into the rest of the room such that afterwards I <laughs> honestly just was just beside myself with, with joy. I actually went outside and started running and dancing down the street, literally making a total fool of myself, but I didn't give two craps. <laughs> I was just so beside myself with joy. Um, <clears throat> and when I got to the end of the street, I, I did stop and was like, oh, <laughs> there's people out here. <laughs> so I walked back. But, you know, still it was like, oh, it's so much fun. It was so cool. But that's not the proof. Really, that's not the proof that I got saved. And I don't I didn't rely on that proof. And I don't to this day. The proof that I got saved is in the fruit, because immediately I had fruit in my life. Immediately I had uh, I had the ability to say no to my addiction. My girlfriend came over a week later to, to spend the weekend at my apartment. And, uh, yeah, you know, great thing for Christians to do, right? (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, so we were in my apartment, and uh, we were together and kissing and whatever, and things started to progress. Let the the listener understand, of course. Yeah, of course. Leaving out any details. (laughs) And it's interesting that, you know, while my girlfriend and I were making out, I started having a conversation with God, which is like – kind of bizarre when you think about it but uh you know i heard god's voice speak to me and and say to me john you don't need to do this and during all this i'm speaking to god back too in my heart my mind saying to him i know i know i don't need to but i really want to and here's the message i want to get out to the world here god responded to me and he said to me these words he said look and i love how god like would talk to me like this on that he would say look the door for you to be free is open but it is closing and it is closing fast and you need to make the choice now are you going to walk through it or are you going to let it shut choose now john because it's about to close and it's closing fast what are you going to do and in that moment i responded to god and i said no I am walking through this door. And I pushed my girlfriend off of me. 
And I said to her, I, I'm sorry. I, I don't want to do this anymore. And that was uh, probably the, one of the biggest pivotal moments in my life. Because I had never done that before. I had never said no, ever. I mean, come on, what guy do you know, you know what I mean, like, does that in his own strength and power? None, you know? Um, I, so, and after that, uh, it just, again, you know, it's not that the um, urges weren't there. No, they were there. It's not that the temptations weren't there. Oh, they were there. No, it's, it's that I had the strength and power to say no. I never had that before. All of a sudden, I had that. And within three months, I was serving like crazy at my church, um, being discipled by my pastor. I would go on visits to hospitals. Um, he would bring me to funerals with him. I mean, he was more or less like almost grooming me for ministry, you know, uh, in, in a way. But he was just bringing me along because I was willing to go, you know. Um, but uh, and I was after, like I said, it's like three months. I was discipling three other younger guys. I was like, you know, uh, just God kept developing me and growing me, and you know, here I am today, <laughs> uh, sharing my faith with people and and uh, getting up on the soapbox with you guys, uh, preaching. Yeah, so you're doing an excellent job with it. No, oh, appreciate that. But uh, quite Seriously, honestly, John John doesn't give himself enough credit. He gets the best hecklers. <laughs> I do. I enjoy them too. I, I get all sorts of cuss words and people flipping the bird, and, oh, and yeah. it's encouraging to me. It you got the double because you got the double me. deuce one time. I did. I did. I got the double bird, the super bird. You know, it was like, man, <laughs> I'm doing something right here. I guess. <laughs> That's that's a thing that get people saved. But, I mean, when you look at Paul, Peter, John, James, all, you know, all the, the the Lord Jesus himself. I mean, you know, everybody who preached the gospel, you know, uh, they, they didn't have an easy time. Everyone who preached the gospel, like when you read through the book of Acts, all throughout the book of Acts, everywhere where Paul went, he would preach. And uh, the, the passage would say that in that town there were some who believed. But then the rabble-rousers and the, you know, the Jewish leaders, blah, 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 roused up a mob and they took Paul out and stoned him and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you, know? Yeah. Like, you know, he would win some people. But then a lot of people got really angry and tried to kill him. So then he ran away to the next city and preached there. And some people believed. But then a lot of other people tried to kill him again. So, you know, and that was more or less the pattern was there were some who believed and there were a lot who expressed their anger. And so when I see that mix of people who stop and listen, um, I mean, at that one street corner in Rhinebeck where where we preached um, before, you know, (laughs) um, I've even had like people at the traffic light, you know, roll down their windows listening, and then the light turns green, they're still listening. They're completely oblivious. People oh, yeah, are I remember that. That. <laughs> that was really funny, um, sort of. You know, you get it's that. funny for us, not funny for the person behind them. Yeah, yeah, I know. And, uh, 
I remember when that when that happened to me when I was preaching on that corner there, and I, I was thinking to myself like, oh man, you know, I wonder if I'm going to end up causing an accident here someday. Ay ay ay. So it's it's encouraging when I get a mixed response, but quite honestly, you know. Um, some people have the gift of gab, but even if you don't, get out there and do it. Um, whether it takes the form of standing on a soapbox or not, just get out there and start preaching the gospel. Um, start with handing out gospel tracts, I tell people. It's the easiest way to get into it because in there, it's, it's almost like uh, – Sorry to kind of like talk about drugs on your radio show here, Willie, but to make <laughs> drug reference, it's almost like how they call marijuana a gateway drug and how it leads to heavier stuff. Um, in any case, you know, handing out gospel tracts. It's, it's the gateway evangelism. It's, it's like gateway evangelism. Yeah, exactly. You I know? like it. <laughs> it's, it's a terrible analogy, and I apologize. I, don't I think know it's why. an excellent analogy. But my that that that's like the only thing that's coming to my mind right now. Um, probably because I know so many people that are you know druggies and whatever. But uh, it it is kind of like that. It's a, it's a really good stepping back. block. <laughs> yeah, and you. But that's the thing though that I experienced when I started by handing out gospel tracts with you and Jim on that fateful day in March at the uh, St. Patty's Day parade. I had to do more. Seriously, it was like I got hooked. Like I, I handed out the gospel tracts, and I told Jim, I was, I told him afterwards, I was like, "Dude, next time you and Willie go and do something like that, like call me up." I had no idea like what you guys did and how deep the rabbit hole would go. <laughs> I really didn't. I thought you and him just kind of casually went out sometime and handed out gospel tracts. No, <laughs> the rabbit hole goes deeper, people. Oh yeah, uh, the adventure, the adventure is potential is limitless oh gosh it is a blast so that that led to uh eventually me part you know hooking up with you and you uh training me on the walkway over the hudson um with with starting conversations with people and um using tracks using props using your chalkboard demonstration which i love um using all sorts of stuff that we can whatever we can in order to win some, you know, um, and that just, I, I got hooked on that. And then when you did your class, then like I knew about street preaching, it was something that I wanted to do, but I was just scared to death to do it. And I had no idea how to do it. I didn't even know where to start. And so when you did your class that I attended and more or less the graduation quote unquote of the class or to graduate cum laude, if you will. Yeah, yeah uh, that, that's the better way to go about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd say to graduate cum laude uh, and and uh, whatever, you know, it, it was, you. I mean, it didn't matter. You gave us the opportunity to get on the soapbox and preach publicly. And I was psyched. I was probably as scared as one would be um, skydiving for the first time. I was like, I, I really was. I was really scared. Um, but I was like, you know what, kind of like in the past when I've gone cliff jumping and all sorts of other things, which kids don't do that, (laughs) (laughs) you know, uh, when I've done all sorts of crazy stuff in the past, I just said, no, I'm going to do it. And I just did, (laughs) you know, just made myself do it. And boy, now, you know, now I'm hooked on that, you know, 
Um, now the next thing I want to do is I want to make missions trips now. Um, the two I really want to do, I want to go back to uh, Schuylkillhaven, Pennsylvania, which is where we were living before moving back to New York um, a year ago. And, uh, and then I, I also really want to go back to Buffalo. I really want to make a, a week-long missions trip to the University of Buffalo. Um, you know, I'm trying to reach out to InterVarsity up there to talk to them to see if, if they're willing to, um, I don't know, like support me, <laughs> not financially. I don't need the financial support, but more like the moral and prayer support. <laughs> yeah. Sponsorship goes much yeah. farther than financial. Oh uh, yes. It financial does. support. Yeah. But to like, to give, give you opportunities, uh, to, to work in the area, and to kind of help guide you in, in like, hey, yeah, I, you know, I know of a great spot, or to help you get an audience. I mean, that's that's how a lot of my mission trips have always been. Yeah, well, and like that guy who, when you did your Louisville trip uh, this year, it's Louisville, right? Louisville. Louisville. Sorry. Louisville. Louisville. I mispronounced it. <laughs> sorry for all you residents of Louisville. <laughs> I mean, no offense. I'm a dumb New Yorker. Okay. <laughs> Dad gum Yankee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, but they're, they're, they're like that guy who came out to support you that one night when you uh, went to do your preaching uh, up on the box uh, in Louisville, you know. Um, Much better. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, uh, I I just, you know, I want that – just that, that – spiritual support that spiritual emotional support and to have somebody that has your back so that you know if people ask questions or whatever there's somebody else who's there to give you credit to say no john's not on crack he's preaching the gospel he he, he's legit you know (laughs) like um you you need that you know absolutely Um, so you need that barnabas you know that that silas or timothy uh, that Paul always had with him, that Luke, that, you know, uh, these people that would travel with the Apostle Paul um, and were his his encouragement for him. So, you know, that's in the works for, for me personally. I'm hoping that that'll work out. But you know what? In the Lord's timing and his will, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, you know, it's been really great having you on the team. I got I to gotta share this story with everybody. Um, so here, here, here's John and I, we're, 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 we're going out on the 4th of July, same area where we did the St. Patrick's Day evangelism. And, uh, instead of just handing out tracks, uh, we decided to go ahead and set up our little, uh, our little evangelism booth with the chalkboard and, and bottles of water and stuff. Cause you know, it was a hot day. Hey, it's 4th of July. What do you expect? And, um, you know, we go through, we set up, and you know, we we get we get some some troublemakers, you know, but like we were very well protected, and um, there was a ministry. Uh, do you remember the name of the ministry that offered us food? Oh boy, I had, oh, uh New Jerusalem, New Jerusalem. Thank you. Um, yeah, so they were, um, you know, just because you were you were familiar with with the ministry in general, not that you knew the people individually, but you knew the ministry. And they're like, oh yeah, you know, you come on, you guys, you boys come on down whenever you're hungry, and you know, we like to take care of our missionaries. You know, it's like, hey, that's awesome. And yeah. uh, and then later on that night, I, 
you know, I was like, you know what, I'm getting a little hungry, and you know, it's getting a little late. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna have to head out soon, but there's not gonna be any place open for us to eat. So, you know, I handed I handed John a ten dollar bill. I'm like, hey, John, you know, why don't you go down and go down to that uh that 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 church booth and and get some food? I figured it'd be like hamburgers and hot dogs and stuff. Um, and and so like you know, he he goes off and you know because we were right outside of the the Fourth of July fireworks event because we had a sign set up. We were handing stuff out. You need a permit if you're going to be inside the event. So we, you know, we we played it safe and we're just right outside, um, and so he had to go in into the thick of it. And uh, I noticed that he had a stack of tracks in his hands. Like, all right, good John, good John. There you go. And you know, so I knew he was going to be handing out tracks. And and so of course somebody somebody comes up and they wanted to take the good person test and and. This lady, I'm pretty sure, if you took a, a cat, if you if you took a cat scan of her head, you would have found a bag of cats inside of her head. She was kind of nuts, and I'm having this very long conversation with her, and I realize, like, I've been talking with this lady for 45 minutes. It's like, Sean, where are you? I could really, I could really use you right about now. Like, what is taking you so daggone long? And and then he, you know, then John finally comes back up. And he's got two two boxes of food, and smells amazing it's like okay this does not smell like any kind of hamburgers or hot dogs oh that was the best that was the best oh man yeah so you oh. had, yeah you had like barbecue ribs right that, that was soul food <laughs> yeah that was legit yeah you had like barbecue ribs and oh. um and i had some fried chicken oh it was so good and, like collard greens and yeah. macaroni salad oh i love collards man oh i mean like i'm 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 getting hungry just talking about that, but that's not what what's exciting about it all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> As if that wasn't exciting enough, <laughs> you know, talking about going above and beyond the call of duty. You know, I I didn't even really ask what took him so long, but he was just like, yeah, well, you know, uh, I had a, I had a group of about twenty twenty three kids, you know, like you know teenagers, and I was just sharing the gospel with them and had a had a crowd, you know. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> look at you, look at you. Preaching, preaching on the corner, you know, preaching, preaching the gospel, just you know, on the way to get some food, you know, and that was that was fun too. That they they really were a rough group. That they they really were like uh, rabble rousers, uh, like the real the real deal um, kids on the street. <laughs> they were, yeah. They, they sounded were, they sounded rowdy based on how you described them. Well, I mean, and honestly, I just went along. I rolled with it, you know, as far as, like, they're horsing around. I didn't try to rush it. I took my time with it. Sorry that I kind of left you hanging, but, you know. Nah, probably... no, it's okay. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, I mean, I – and that's the thing. As, as I usually do when I'm preaching to a group or when I'm preaching publicly on a soapbox, and, you know, I, I kind of keep – as new people come along, I, like, you know, recircle back around to the gospel message kind of – Try to replay it in a way that's not going to be boring for those who already heard it, but at the same time is going to re-deliver it again for the new people. You know, yeah, I don't, get, them, get them up to speed to where you are. Yeah, I don't want to miss anyone, you know. Um, but either way, you know how like how you always say it's great that when you get people that are friends with each other because they bust on each other and it's like you know. Oh yeah, you know I don't tell a lie. Like, man, you know you, you lied about this, you lied about that. What are you talking about? You know, and they, well, these guys, <laughs> these guys be like, nah, man, I ain't never stole nothing. And then like, you know, one of his friends would bust on and be like, man, what you talking about? You broke into the dormitories on that college two weeks ago and stole everybody's CD players and iPhones. 
Yeah, I'm like, holy oh, snap. <laughs> yeah, I'm really dealing with grandma there. Like, seriously. Like these were these were the real deal people that are like, you know, you know, looting stores and, you know, all sorts of crazy stuff. And like in that case, this one kid was, you know, and he was like, Oh yeah, I guess I did do that. So I guess that would count. Okay. Yeah, wow. I still <laughs> Yeah, I was like, so is it that your memory's that bad? Or do you just do it so much that you can't remember, you can't recall it? Oh, man. So it was the real deal crowd. But there was one young man in general who genuinely looked like he was getting it, you know? Everybody else was having a good time, you know, busting and laughing and whatever. But there was one young man who I could tell. Uh, I made eye contact. I tried making eye contact with everybody at some point or another, but he held eye contact with me, you know? And it was, I think, I really think it was breaking through to his heart. I think God was speaking to that young man's heart. And I pray for him once in a while. We can even pray for him at the end of the show here. But I pray for him once in a while, you know, um, when, I, when I think of him. That, yeah, that was, I mean, truly like a like your shining moment of the year. Um, you know, that that's what really made me say, you know what? Like, let's get this guy on the team. You know, like, like you are you are not just you're not just a buddy who's coming along anymore. You know, you are you are a part of the team. Like, you're one of us. Like, you think like us. You know, you have that heart for the lost. You're taking opportunities. You know, when you see him, and and you really, I mean, just knocked it out of the park. You know, that's that's what really made me want to just go ahead and move forward with all this. I mean, obviously, it took a couple months to get that moving, but you know, you you know, you've been a very valuable member of the team so far, and I, it's my pleasure to introduce to the introduce you to the world as the newest member of the team. I appreciate and that. that well, you know, that is that is the the purpose of this interview in particular, and uh, you know, we have a lot of exciting things. Uh, involving John in the future that we're planning that we will not reveal at the moment. We'll reveal it as time as time progresses. Um but yeah <laughs> That's not really keep keep them on the edge of their seat. Oh yeah. Yeah you, <laughs> you gotta make them come back for more. Yeah, exactly. But so you will uh if if you have a, if you desire to contact John, uh he is like I said, he's part of the team now. Uh you can actually contact him through the same way that you can contact uh the regular ministry, and I will share the contact information at the end of the show. Um, but, but speaking of praying for that that young man you were talking about, um, why don't you go ahead and pray? Why don't you go ahead and pray for our listeners, and, uh, and that'll finish out our show. Okay, sure thing. <clears throat> oh, Father God, we love you so much, and I thank you, Lord. I thank you so much for all the work that you are doing here in this world, not only through Set the Captives Free Ministries, God, but through all the ministries, the countless ministries across the world who are genuinely serving you, uh, who are genuinely seeking to glorify your name, genuinely seeking um, to, to spread the gospel, to make you shine uh, in the hearts and lives of others. And honestly, to, to call people to repentance, to call people to uh, run to Jesus, to run away from sin, to run away from hell and run away from judgment and run towards the arms of the Savior who loves them so much, who loves them enough to give his life for them. 
And that's what we're here to do. And that is our desire is to glorify you, Jesus. We want to glorify you, God. Um, I pray for those listening to this program, Lord. Uh, I just, I mean, honestly, the words coming out of my mouth uh, are completely empty and worthless if they're not um, backed up by you in your spirit. Honestly, God, I, I pray and hope. Please uh, touch people's hearts who listen to this. Touch people's hearts. I pray that uh, they may be able to find common ground only as a way to break ice and, and uh, be willing to listen to the message that we have. Because we, we want to show people we're just like them. We are sinners in desperate need of a Savior. We are not good people. We are forgiven people. We are loved people. And uh, we just want other people not to think like us, talk like us. We want them to put their trust in you like we have uh, so that they may know and have that blessed assurance in, in their hearts and minds of eternal life. So that's my prayer for the people listening, God, that uh, they would realize they need you, that they ain't escaping this world alive, and uh, they will stand before you to be judged. And the only escape there is is to put on the Lord Jesus Christ like a parachute, choosing to get rid of sin and trust in you. We love you so much, God. Thank you for this opportunity and for giving me the opportunity to serve and for calling me to preach the gospel with, with these guys and empower believers who are listening now, Lord. Empower them to stand up for you at work, to stand up for you at school. Empower them to stand up in their towns, uh, in their, their villages, their shopping malls, whatever. Empower these people, Lord God, to preach the gospel to people that they may hear the word of truth and be saved. As your word says, faith comes by hearing and that by the word of God. For all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Thank you, God, that you have made salvation really that simple. Oh, God, thank you. Amen. Amen. John, it has been such a pleasure tonight, uh, you know, today, having, having you on the show. And uh, I'm looking forward to many, many more in the future. Yeah, absolutely. And so, uh, as I said before, the best uh, we actually have had to change our, our contact information for the ministry. Um, the old toll-free number is no longer in service. So to call us uh, toll-free, uh, the new number is 855-704-7247. And for, uh, to write to us, it's still the same address, Set the Captives Free Ministries, P.O. Box 467, Modena, New York, 12548. And you can contact us through any other means through our website at www.scfministry.com. Be sure to sign up for our weekly email newsletter. Uh, with this, mes- this message will be in the newsletter. Uh, whenever you whenever you subscribe and you will also have access to other free and awesome things and once again uh, thank you all so much for listening and 
This is Willie Needham and uh, and my, my ministry partner, John Williams, uh, both reminding you to get out there and share the gospel with this lost and dying world. God bless.